0: You're listening to Oxfam India's Responsible Biz, where the conversation is about business, human rights, and the people at the centre of it all. The Congress decides to organise a great international demonstration so that in all countries and in all cities on one appointed day, the toiling masses shall demand of the state authorities the legal reduction of the working day to eight hours, as well as the carrying out of other decisions of the Paris Congress. Since a similar demonstration has already been decided upon for May 1st, 1890 by the American Federation of Labour at its convention in St. Louis, December 1888, this day is accepted for the international demonstration. The workers of the various countries must organise this demonstration according to conditions prevailing in each country. And so ran a resolution of the Paris Congress of the Socialist International in July 1889 and the following year, the International Workers Day came into being. The origins and history of Labor Day lie in the nas of the Industrial Revolution and the severe working conditions of the poor and marginalized. 10 to 16 hour work days in unsafe conditions with frequent accidents and deaths was the norm. More than a hundred years later, a lot has changed for the workers of the world and a lot is still the same. It's 1st May and welcome to a special episode of Responsible Biz on the occasion of the International Workers' Day. My name is Tri Radhakrishnan, and today's topic is, of course, labor. At the beginning of this year, Labor Minister Santosh Gangwar proclaimed 2020 to be the year of reforms. He was talking about the four new labor codes that have been at the center of the debate on labor reforms. The wage code bill has already been passed by the parliament in August 2019 and the code on industrial relations was introduced in following November. The remaining two, the codes on occupational safety and health and social protection, were to be introduced for debate in the parliament until the COVID pandemic hit, which again put the focus on labor, albeit not the same way the government perhaps intended to. To understand the labor codes, which will undoubtedly have profound and lasting impact on workers and labor relations in India, with me today is Chandran Kumar, Chandan is a labor activist and National Coordinator of the Working People's Charter, which is a network of 150 organizations organizing workers in the informal sector. To kickstart a conversation, I asked Chandan about where and how the labor codes fit into the larger discourse on labor laws in India.
1: India's labor laws has a very old history, like a hundred years old history. And most of the laws enacted through the working class struggle. So it's like a hundred years old struggle beginning from our greatest freedom fighter, Bhagat Singh, uh, supporting the the textile workers movement in Mumbai until date, 2019. So Modi's ideas basically make India's labor market more flexible in order to uh, kind of give uh, the ease of uh, kind of the flexibility to the big companies, uh, encouraging them to come and invest and for, for that, they do not need to basically adhere the basic uh, labor regulations. For example, uh, not uh, uh, kind of uh, be, uh, be, be adhering the minimum wage laws, not adhering to the working condition laws, not adhering to the occupational health and safety laws. So a lot of these laws where you need to invest a lot of money in order to provide the protection uh, to the workers. So, so that was the whole pitch to the big companies. And doing this reform in the name of kind of uh, making India as a kind of boom for the manufacturing hub. But technically, it's kind of degrading the labor condition in the industrial sector, in the manufacturing sector largely, where the workers do not enjoy the labor rights. And on the cost of the labor rights question, you basically uh, push this, this kind of reform where the big companies can get the maximum profit. So when this government came and they proposed the four new laws, what we are calling as a code, and when these codes become the laws, existing 44 labor laws, central labor laws will stand repealed. three. So they introduce uh, the wage code, they introduce the Occupational Health and Safety Code, they introduce the Industrial Relations Code, and they introduce the Social Security Code. So these four new set of laws, what we call the courts, and they also referred uh, the what we call it uh, the kind of the, one of the most important report uh, presented by the government of India in 2002 is called the National Commission for Labour report, and it was tabled by then Prime Minister Dr. Bihari Vajpayee, and he said that that India requires a massive reform. We have a lot of laws which are which are very archaic. It really does not address the current economic problem. Majority of these workers have uh, no employer-employer relationship. Majority of these workers are the migrants. So actually, we have already uh, taken a massive leap from the industrial economy to the informal economy. So this is a kind of the whole game plan uh, where you can basically uh, uh, kind of give a massive benefit to the corporates with well, the multinational corporations on the cost of the uh, working class of India. But what government is trying to do... So, okay, let me give you the perspective from this framework. A lot of laws were basically meant for the industrial workers. But when we see the massive uh, shift in the last 20 years and 30 years, when the, actually the entire economy become very informal, large number of workers do not find the employer and kind of employee relationship in their establishment. And and therefore, this government basically gave the hope that a lot of these laws are basically very good for the industrial workers but may not be good for the informal workers and therefore we need to do this reform so that we can give the social justice to all segments, all kind of informal, all kind of working class uh, in the country. And we, therefore, we need to do the reform. But these reforms are basically, uh, so for example, the wage code bill is already passed by the parliament, it's already become the law. Yes. And two more bills is already before the parliament. I mean, in this winter session, only two important bills, like one is social security code, one is the industrial relations code, is already introduced in the parliament. But these laws actually... Do not address the whole crisis of the informal workers. For example, you have a very important legislation called ESIC Act Employees State Insurance Corporation ESI Act which basically gives the health benefit including the unemployment benefit and large number of benefits to the workers but that require a kind of the particular establishment where the 10 or the more workers are employed etc etc but if you see in india there's nothing called establishment there's nothing called like a 10 workers working together because you see the large number of uh, kind of the the informal sector, like a domestic workers, like a rag pickers, like a bricklin workers, like a small manufacturing sector, where like a two or three kind of or four workers are working in those small manufacturing chains. So actually, these laws were uh, were promised that that the newer newer reform will address even the small units will also address even there's a individual workers like a self-employed workers, but actually it is not addressing that. So the laws are framed, the new laws which is going to be passed and already passed is framed in the manner where it can benefit to the employer, but it is not going to give any kind of social security or any kind of social justice to the worker. So if you're not part of an establishment, you are still not going to get any kind of benefits. And for example, there is an employer, but employer has no kind of obligations uh, in order to provide the benefit to the worker. So there is a contract system. So contractor is basically a kind of a new employer. So government is basically... Uh, formalizing the whole concept of the contract system where the principal employer has no obligation the only the contractors can take care of the workers in terms of the providing the benefits so if let's say that tomorrow if workers do not get the minimum wages and uh, the present laws basically gives them guarantee that even the employer is basically get disappeared then you can go and file a complaint and the principal employer who owns the establishment will be accountable for that. But now in the newer kind of format of the amendment, principal employer is no more accountable for all these things. If the contractor gets disappeared, you're absolutely gone. You cannot ask for your kind of back wages. You cannot ask for your the kind of back gratuity fund or the back profit and fund, etc. Those kind of accounts.
0: There seems to be a mismatch, a discrepancy between what the labor codes ostensibly set out to achieve and what will actually happen once they're passed by the parliament. In fact earlier you used the word play to describe the government's maneuverings and its pitch for the codes. So what is the play here and where is the catch?
1: Actually these are very kind of the complex structure and uh, very very complex structure even even for a for, for people like us who understand follow this reform to understand. So forget about the, uh, an educated worker and how, how these people will understand this reform is going to be a very, very difficult question for them. But let me, let me give you kind of very basic small uh, snapshots about this reform. For example, these four codes. So one code is basically uh, deal with the wage question. So it's like the let's say that minimum wages or payment of wages or the like a bonus act and that that uh, that code has already become the law because it was passed in the parliament in the last win, uh, last monsoon session and it is already sort of in the process of rolling it out uh, in that so i give you a small example about the wage code so wage code is basically uh, gives a framework of the floor wage so historically we in, in our country there is a kind of a two kind of system one is called the minimum wages and one is called the floor wages so floor wages the current floor wages is 178 rupees so the government is basically uh, fix a kind of the floor guideline for any employer in the country that you cannot pay below the say, 178, 178 rupees to any person. Now you think about that, how can in this situation in such a kind of time where all the commodities pri- prices is touching uh, touching skies, there's no guarantees, there's no PDS system is functioning in the semi-rural areas and rural areas and the government is expecting a family, a household to take care of all their basic needs in the 178 rupees. So labor unions and trade unions basically challenge these notions and then governments say, okay, fine we are going to basically make floor wages as a statutory form because till date before the law gets passed it was a kind of the advisory format but now it's become the law but the tricky thing is that supreme court has already a jurisprudence which talks about roti kapala and makan including a lot of other expenses so for example A family requires a lot of expenditures to take care of their uh, well-being and take care of their entire household. So they do not only need a Roti Kapla and Makan, they also need a lot of resources like uh, if you want to marry your children. If you have some kind of health question, then you go to the basically hospitals. Uh, You also send your children for the schools and etc. So this is a kind of the whole criteria. This is a kind of the whole set of indicators. Supreme Court said and suggested to the government that you need to factor in this question while fixing the minimum wages.
0: This is the 1992 Supreme Court's judgment in the Raptor Cost case, which ruled that children's education, medical requirements, minimum recreation, including festival and ceremonies, and provision for old age and marriage should further constitute 25% of the total minimum wage and used as a guideline in determining minimum wages
1: the so delhi government has become the first government in the country who implemented raptacost what we are what we call basically the whole basic concept of the living wage it is much ahead of the minimum wages the new code which they have passed called wage code act they have also kept the raptacost guidelines and they have also introduced the floor wages which means the employer will have a kind of the freedom will have a space to keep implementing floor wage which is 178 rupees and not necessarily sort of, you know, implementing the raptor cost guidelines in large number of the industrial uh, occupation and non-industrial occupations too. So you understand this whole hypocrisy. The law passed passed by the government, it has a lot of kind of the illegal framework. So one side you're talking about the while determining the minimum wages, you need to follow the raptor cost. At the same time, the state also has a liberty to keep the floor wages and keep Implementing the floor wages. So this is I would also call this whole phenomena as a double jeopardy where you have the two framework and both can clash to each other in the future. And this is a fear I, I have. And, and I wrote about it uh, uh, in, in the Hindu as an editorial piece that government cannot do that because it is a violation of the basic labor framework. It, viol- it violates the Supreme Court jurisprudence and it also violates the 15th Indian Labor Conference guidelines, what we call the, the basic policy standard which government has to adhere because it comes from the tripartite principle. So this is, a, this is a whole whole basically a confusion, dilemma and also kind of the illegality where government cannot do that but government has implemented the law, yeah.
0: So what is the reason behind introducing these codes
1: India has some of the very progressive labor laws in the world. Let me be very clear about it. You have a ESIC, uh, you have a employment provident fund, you have an employees compensation. If you include three these three laws, three these three laws, ESIC, EPFO, and employees compensation, you are actually implementing the ILO uh, 102 convention, which deals with the social security provisions, and one of the most progressive laws in the world. But the, for these laws, if you basically if you want to set up a business and if you want to basically implement these laws, basically, then you need to you know provide a lot of resources to compete uh, or to basically to ensure that the working class is getting those enough social security. But then the whole debate of inequality comes in. If you give this much of resources, if you give this much of kind of income uh, to the workers, then you are actually not getting a lot of profit. And therefore, there will be a whole equilibrium kind of the debate that the one, one section is getting a lot of money and becoming so rich, and one section is keep exploitating and not getting the enough means to live, right? And this is a whole debate, global debate of inequality. So. These labor laws basically provide enough space to companies to come set up their businesses and not actually adhering to these labor laws. I just talked about the social security, which is these three laws already competing uh, with the ILO convention. Same with the minimum wages. You do not give the minimum wages as per the RAPTA cost. You can keep giving the floor wages. Same question with the occupation, Health and Safety Code, where you do not adhere the basic factory uh, labor laws where you need to set up the safety committee whether you do not need to set up the workers council where you do not provide the crutches to the you know the women workers who, who may be carrying the children to the workspaces so there are a lot of these kind of the progressive uh, Mechanism where the employers have to make a lot of investment, and if you make all those investment, then you do not uh, make a lot of profit out of it. And this the whole new set of labor laws is basically giving the free impunity, is kind of the giving a free. Free hand, not to adhere these these kind of the progressive norms, and keep exploiting workers. Let's say that for long working hours, not paying the minimum wages, not providing the, any kind of safety mechanism. So you, even you get die at the workspace, there is no uh, no accountability for the employer. So you understand that the 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 laws which we had for the industrial workers, it is keep going on the same manner technically. And not really addressing the large number of workforce who are the joining the kind of the new new sort of new exploitative set of the labor market. And these new reforms actually not giving them any kind of the legal uh, kind of boundaries to, pro, uh, to, to follow that, follow the norms where they, they cannot make a lot of profit on that.
0: I already know the answer, but just to hear it from you, who will benefit from the new labor codes?
1: What do you mean that who will benefit from the new labor codes? Of course, uh, the employers, industries, basically, who will be coming and setting up the business uh, as being offered by this government uh, 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 as part of the Make in India, the whole Make in India campaign. So you come, you set up the business. And uh, so technically, there's a whole uh, facade that you bring bring the money, you set up the business, you create the employment there will, be, there will be a lot, lot of jobs creation, but what kind of jobs is being created? These jobs are precarious, these these jobs are absolutely exploitative, where the workers will be facing the massive, massive problem they're already facing, but there will be more. Because presently, when you when you do something, you you have you have to you have the loss to face. I mean, as a trade union, as a labor rights activist, I can go and file a complaint against you and I can bring you to the court of the law. But under the new reforms, you do not have any kind of uh, obligation to comply on these labour laws and that means also not facing the kind of the court system, not facing the kind of the regular labour arbitration and reconciliation within the, within the labour court system. So, so this is a very simple, that system which exists today were meant for the industrial workers the government, the whole call is to basically reform the system, uh, extending this entire legal uh, protective, statutory uh, protective framework to the to the new kind of the workforce who have joined in last 20 years and 30 years, and necessarily not these laws address their problem, but as per the new structure, these working class, these workforce will still kept out of from the any kind of the protective framework, and that perhaps will benefit more to the People who are coming for the massive investment, so not adhering to the basic labor laws. We have a laws where the non-payment of wages is equal equal to the criminal obligation, and India is one of those countries is one of those few countries who who criminalizes the non-payment of wages structure. But under the new law. The criminal offence becomes the civil offence, so you do not need to worry about anything. And the same provision for a lot of things. I just talked about the Factories Act provisions, which talks about the safety safety committee, which talks about the crutches facility for the women workers. So a lot of these norms basically will be absolutely wiped away uh, in, uh, as part of the new reform. Where the, where the new industries, new businesses, even the existing existing industries who have been complaining to the government that you are asking us to come and invest. But see, we are facing a lot of problem. We need to invest a lot of money and industries cannot afford it. So, yes, so these new reforms basically give a kind of free hand to, to, to this entire industrial kind of giant to not adhering the labor laws which exist in our country, which were fought by the working class which were fought by the trade union movement for from the last 100 years and brought in through the struggle. But now all these labor laws are being basically wiped away.
0: Since recording this conversation with Chandan earlier in the year, a lot has changed and largely for the worse. The COVID pandemic has spread across communities and continents. In India, Prime Minister Modi declared a nationwide lockdown initially for three weeks and then extended to five weeks. Apart from the health crisis unleashed by coronavirus, a humanitarian crisis confronts us today, where millions of workers are stranded without work or wages and no way to return home. For this vast population, more than 90% of India's labor force, starvation and hunger poses a much greater concern than the novel coronavirus. And in the middle of it all, the government now plans to pass an ordinance bypassing democratic and parliamentary processes of debate and discussion, to extend working hours to 12 hours a day. Which brings us back to the point we started it all, the Socialist International's Paris Congress of 1889, whose primary demand was the reduction of the working day to eight hours, and the birth of the International Workers' Day. Indeed, as someone once said, history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. We'll leave it at that for now. If you enjoyed listening to our show, then please like it, subscribe to it and share it. A five-star review also helps. Thank you once again. This is your host, Sri Radhakrishnan, signing off. Until next time. This podcast was produced with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents are the sole responsibility of Oxfam India and do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union. To know more about responsible business conduct, visit www.responsiblebiz.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at BizResponsible.